This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, praise God. We're going to get in today to part three of a series we started a, a few weeks back called Love Riot. And what this is about is, is what, you know, there's a, there, there, people have so many misconceptions of love, okay? Let's just get that straight right off the bat. When I say love, so many things come to so many different people's minds. Half of you are thinking of a Hallmark movie. Half of you are thinking about Del Taco. Some of you are thinking about, but listen, God's definition of love and man's definition are two totally separate things. When I talk about love out of the Bible, I'm talking about the unconditional, unearned, you don't have to do anything for me to make me love you. I love you just because I love you, period. And that's how God loves us. He didn't wait till we were good enough to send Jesus. If he was waiting until everybody had their act together before he could send Jesus to die, we'd still be waiting, wouldn't we, right? Because I'm not there yet. I've got a long way to go. And I know, I mean, I know some of you, you're, you're a lot closer than I am, but you've got a ways to go too, right? And so... The unconditional, unearned love of God is the only thing that can make a real change in a lot of what we see going on right now. Amen. And so when we get more of an idea of what God's love is, we'll start to act a little bit more like God. When you love people like God loves them, you'll do things for them even when it's inconvenient. Even when you don't feel like it, you'll still show up. Even when you don't feel like it, you'll still be there for them. And that is not how the world views real genuine love, okay? And so, there are several different things that the Bible tells us God is. In fact, in the book of John, seven different times, Jesus made seven I am statements. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate for the sheep to come in. Seven times. So Jesus himself used seven different things to describe who he is. And all throughout scripture, we can see lots of things that the Bible says, God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. And and, and so today, though, what I want to do is I want to look at Two very specific needed things for 2020 that the Bible says God the Father and God the Son Jesus is, okay? Just two things today, and I want you to really pay attention to these, but if we could get a hold of these two things, you're going somewhere today, and you're going to help some people out. Who in here you have any desire at all to take somebody else to heaven with you? My greatest my, my, one of my biggest fears, I should say, is that I'm up in heaven standing before Jesus and then I see somebody else on this side over here that's not getting in and they're like, hey, I knew you for 20 years. Why didn't you really tell me the truth? Wouldn't that be your worst nightmare that you are up there in heaven and there's somebody else that is not getting in even though you are and it's somebody that you had the absolute chance to really tell the truth of the gospel to but you just didn't feel like it because it was inconvenient or you thought they would judge you or they thought they would whatever and you held back from the truth. That's a nightmare that I don't ever want to see happen. I want to get into heaven and I want to have a whole crowd of people behind me that are getting in there because I had the guts to say something. I had the guts to stand up for something. Amen. 
We need some gutsy Christians. We need some people that will stand up in 2020 and not roll over and play dead just because they tell you to. The devil does not want the church to stand up and use its voice right now. And he's doing everything that he can to silence the church of God. But I'm saying, not on my watch. I will not shut up. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we're going to look at two things today before I get all crazy and wild on you here. The first thing is this. Number one, I've said it and I'll say it again. Number one. God is what? Love. By definition, God is love. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4. Let's flip over there. Thank you on the back. 1 John chapter 4. So we're going to look at verses 7 and 8. So this was the children's church theme verse for this week, right? First John 4, 8. And so I recorded the kids doing that yesterday. And I forgot, I've got to give a shout out real, real quick. So my son, Sam, for my birthday, for whatever reason, his biggest dream in life this year was to buy me some Dr. Seuss socks for my birthday. And so I promised him that I would show the cat. Look at that. The cat in the hat. That's right. He was so nice to buy me like a 12-pack of these, so every day I've got to buy, wear another pair of these incredible socks that I'm so in love with. And so tomorrow's going to be Hop on Pop, I think, and then after that we got green eggs and ham. So anyway, good stuff. Those are my socks, so I had to show those for Sam. But First John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from our emotions when we feel like it. For love comes if we've got enough money in the bank. Love really comes if you've got the man in office that you want in office. No, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Well, why is that? For God is love. What is God? God is love. There's a lot of things the Bible tells us God is, but the biggest thing that I can think of is God is love. And so, again, when we hear that, our first instinct is, okay, well, if God is love, we start to put God into our own manufactured idea of what love is. Okay, well, I don't, if God is love, then why did this happen? If God is love, then why does the Bible say that I can't do this? If he really loves me, he just let me do whatever I felt like doing. If God is really love, then explain this over here. And the reason people trip up is because you are trying to, to, to believe in God. You are trying to put God into your box of your own definition of who God is. God is not who you imagine him to be. God is God. And, and I'm not. And so if there's somewhere along the way where we have a misunderstanding, I'm the wrong one. Yeah, but I mean, I don't I don't feel it. I I don't I don't get it right now. And, And that's not how I see it. It doesn't matter how you see it. You're not God. And I am not too afraid to admit that I've been wrong before. I've had certain beliefs, man. I, I felt like this for a long time. And then the Bible tells me, man, you're wrong. And then I got to say, well, I don't like it. But guess I'm wrong. I got to change because I know that God is not going to be the one to change. And so we try to define God and, and God's love in our own manufactured 
way of thinking about love when he's the real thing and everything else is just a fake and an imposter. Have you ever had the real thing then you've had the fake? Like, think about this. I don't care what anybody says. There's only one real Oreo cookie. All the others are just imitating. We want the real. So listen to me. Listen, the the, the there's the name. And I, I'm good for generic on so many things. But there is a difference between a real genuine Oreo and then going and getting the off brand. It's just not. And I've tried. It's not the same. And once you've had the real thing, nothing else can satisfy. Nothing else stacks up to the real. But I think about it this way. Sometimes we think we've had the real. Sometimes we think we've had the best and we don't even know yet. And we don't. And so I, I've thought about it this way. You know, most of us would say that we really love chocolate. Is anybody that you, just, you like yourself? I like chocolate. Good stuff right there. OK. And so what I've come to realize, though, is there's the redone, remanufactured, uh, 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 redefined, curved to my taste buds stuff like Snickers and, and, and Kit Kat. And I love that stuff, man. That's good stuff. But upon further study, that's not actually the real deal. The real deal is this, you know, from the cocoa bean, the real chocolate. And it's not like this stuff at all. Now, I prefer this stuff that they've redesigned and remanufactured and, 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 and made to my current standards and my liking. But the real thing it's actually not quite so sweet, right? You gotta add to it and make it what you want for you to like it. And a lot of people, they're like, well, I like this idea of God, but I need to add this, this, and this to make him what I like and make him what I want him to be. Now the truth about real chocolate is, I, I mean, I'm not a health guy, obviously, you can tell that, but, but anyway, hold your, hold your thoughts. But at the same time, the real deal chocolate, it's like one of the best sources of antioxidants in the entire planet. But the stuff that we like so much is actually kind of bad for us. And so I'm talking about it this way. Sometimes what we think we like and want so bad and like, well, I like that God can save me. I like that God can do this. I think I'll just add this to my God and I'll add this to my God. And once you get Jesus plus. You will be a very unfulfilled, scatterbrained, lost person. I don't need Jesus plus. I just need Jesus. I don't need to add anything to Jesus. I don't need to add anything. He's the real deal, the full package, all in one. And sometimes there's parts I'm like, well, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But it's so much better for me in the end than somebody that's going to sugarcoat it and lie to me and tell me what I want to hear. Now, I would never say this to somebody, but I saw a meme the other day that said, you're fat. I'd sugarcoat it, but you'd probably eat that, too. I was like, oh, come on. Oh, I'm not saying that to anybody. I'm just saying somebody said that online. And I'm like, that's mean, dude. Come on. But listen, we don't the, the time for for the fake stuff is over. Who wants the real deal? Who wants the real Jesus? Who wants real Christians in the last day? So God is not some cheap, generic on my terms and my own definition thing, God is God, the real deal, and I don't need to add anything to him. God is love. Notice something else from this verse 8 here. It says, anyone that does not love does not know God. For God is love. So I am telling you right now, it is impossible for a genuine born-again Christian to hate another human being. 
I mean, there's different people I don't like as much as others, but I, I can stand in this pulpit right now and say with all 100% sincerity, there is not one human being on earth that I hate. Not one. There's, I mean, there's people that I don't want to go hang out with and I'm not going to have a sleepover with them and, you know, have movie night at my house, but there's nobody I hate because to hate somebody means you would rather them be dead and go to hell. That's hatred. And I've even heard people that say, I, when I worked at FedEx in Indianapolis, and there was this lady that wanted to talk to me about being a Christian all the time. She got mad at somebody on the employee bus one day and was like, you know what, go to. And I was like, well, I guess we see where we stand now, don't we? <laughs> My gosh. And then you want to come to me tomorrow talking about Jesus, talking about church? I don't want to talk to somebody like that. A born-again Christian hates no other human being. I hate the works of the devil. I hate things like that, but I don't hate other people. For anyone who does not love does not even know God, let alone be a son of God or a daughter of God. He said, you don't, you don't even know God. How is that? For God is love. The very definition of who he is is love. And to say that love and hate are on the same team in the same family, that's a lie. God is love. And so I know you know this stuff, but I'm encouraging us to check ourselves right now. First John 3, 10. First John 3 and verse 10. John was called the apostle of love because he was always talking about love. John was motivated by love. And when you're motivated by love, you see other people in an entirely different way. When, 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 when Jesus really has a hold of your heart, you begin to see other people in an entirely different way. Especially mean people. Especially nasty people. Especially haters. You start to see them as like, oh my gosh, that's the most lost person I've ever seen. I feel so awful for them. You don't feel like, man, I hate them. Wish I could get them back. Oh, their day's coming. Listen, their day will come, more or less. It'll happen, but I'm not going to contribute to that. God doesn't need my help to do his job on that. If somebody's going to mess with God's kids long enough, they'll eventually pay the price for it, but I'm not going to contribute to that. I'm going to leave vengeance in the hands of God, as it tells us. But First John 3.10, it says, So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. What? Listen, I, and people, people will call you a judger or a hater or whatever, but it tells me right there that I can straight up tell who's a child of God and who's a child of the devil. Am I making this up or does it say that? It says that. So I, I mean, I could easily hang out with somebody for a little while. Once I get to know somebody, you can tell, oh man, that guy's a child of the devil. Don't you judge him. I didn't have to. He identified himself. He hates everybody. That's not what a Christian does. And so right here, it says we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So that tells me right there, there are people that identify themselves as believers. If I ask them, hey, are you a believer? Yes, I'm a believer. What do you think about this guy? I hate him. What? He's a Christian. Well, I don't care. I hate him. He did this 20 years ago. He did this last week. And I'm telling you right now, I mean, it's not judgmental at all to say this guy must be a child of the devil. 
Because children of God do not hate other people, especially other believers. Verse 15, it says this. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. Man, I don't even want to read this stuff. This is hard. I forgot how hardcore this was, so I'm reading it all over again right now. Listen, it says anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. I mean, I don't think we have to beat it around the bush right here. It's telling us if we genuinely hate other people, we are murdering them within our heart and we don't have eternal life. We are not going to heaven at that point. And so for me to hate somebody else for a valid reason or an invalid reason, it doesn't matter. The result is the same. I get myself in a world of hurt and trouble. Just like I've said it before, I've seen on the news where somebody accidentally gets shot by a gun on a hunting trip or something. It's awful, complete accident, didn't deserve it, but the result's the same. He's either hurt really bad or he dies. Then I've seen sometimes where somebody intentionally gets shot on the news. Same thing, really bad, maybe dies from it. The result is the same, whether it was an accident or on purpose, whether I hate somebody because they deserve it or they don't deserve it, it doesn't matter. The result is the same. It buries me and pushes me down in life and could potentially keep me from going to heaven. Something for us to think about on a beautiful July Sunday morning. Can I get an amen today? Amen. And so it's not a stretch to say if God said, I am love. That's ex- that, that's what I am. Anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. It's not a stretch to say, we better start taking this love thing seriously. And especially in the end times, I can't drive that home enough. This is the end times. And you don't have time to be hating somebody else. Why? Because we're told in Galatians that our faith works by love. Faith works by love. And so, would you say that this would be an important time for your faith to be working? I think it's a very important time for my faith to be working, but it's not going to work if I don't have the love of God working in my heart. And so, by definition, God defines himself as love. Now, I want to get to what I'm really getting at. Number two, God is truth. God is is truth who likes truth who sometimes doesn't like truth sometimes i don't like truth (laughs) let's just get real because sometimes the truth is that i've got issues i need to fix sometimes the truth is i'm wrong but that doesn't change the fact that it's true right whether i agree with truth or not it doesn't matter what my opinion about truth is Uh, god is truth And sometimes I love that, sometimes I don't like that, but either way, I've got to build a bridge and get over it because that's not going to change what God says, right? And so, I'm going to, I've got five verses right here, okay? Write them down unless you're like crazy fast at flipping like my dad or something, but five quick verses here, please write them down. I'm going to take a quick snapshot of several verses that give us this point about God is truth because I want you to see that I'm not making this up. 
that God, by definition, is love, and by definition, God is truth. And my goal over the next 10 minutes is to bring those two together where you can see the connection between love and truth. Because love don't lie. Lying ain't loving, right? So I want you to see how these two intermingle together. Five quick verses. John 14 and verse 6 Jesus himself said this. This is one of the seven I am statements in the book of John. John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That is Jesus defining himself. He says, well, what am I? I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 3, verse 33. I told you, you got to be fast. John 3, verse 33, it tells us this about God. It says, anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that what? God is true. Well, I thought this was true. No, that's not. God is true. Well, no, but, but, but they told me that this over here was actually true. No, that's not true. God is true. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I would stack his record. I would stack his credentials up against anybody else I know. He's got the track record, thousands of years of proof and history to prove that in the end, he's always right. But we thought we had this figured out. Turns out we were wrong. God is true. How about Hebrews 6.18? Hebrews 6.18, it tells us this, and there's a parallel verse that goes with this. I'm going to give you a bonus, bonus verse, Titus 1.2. But Hebrews... 618 says, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. Why? Because it is impossible for God to lie. Think about that. That it's impossible. God is so true. God is so full of truth. God himself, by definition, is truth. That it is completely impossible for him to lie. It doesn't say that God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie because anything he speaks out instantly becomes truth. That's how powerful he is. If God said, you know what? Grass shall now be red. Well, it's never been that way. Well, guess what? It is now because God said it is. Now, that's an extreme example. But listen, anything that God says is instantly truth for it's impossible for him to lie. And and you've got to you've got to get. Just imagine that for a minute, how great God is, that by definition, God is truth. How about this, Jeremiah 10, 10, Jeremiah 10, 10. Somebody, do I hear 10, 10, Jeremiah 10, 10, do I hear 5, 10, 15, Jeremiah 10, verse 10. Have you ever seen that YouTube video where they put hip-hop beats to auctioneers? No one? Okay, I've seen that. I just, do anybody, come on, you've seen that. Somebody under the age of 30 has seen that. Oh, okay, no, okay, listen. You gotta go on YouTube and look at the hip hop auctioneers. It's like the best video ever. Alright. That was a bonus. That's another, I'm trying to start giving out, I, now that I'm 35, two things, I can officially run for president, so that's, you know, that's not with it. <laughs> but the second thing is, I feel like I've got a little bit of wisdom, so I'm trying to give life hacks out there, but it's like people don't appreciate them. So, life hack. Go home, get on YouTube, look up the rap auctioneers. That's going to do you a lot of good in the end times. You need that for yourself, okay? All right. So, Jeremiah 10, 10, it says, but the Lord is one of the only. No, it says, the Lord is the only true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. So, is there a bunch of 
true living gods? Is there, I mean, is there, well, but it's 2020, so now we've got this over here. No. Out of it all, there's only one true living God, and it's not you. And it's not your man, and it's not your woman, and it's not who you thought. There's only one living true God, and it's Jesus Christ. Amen? It's God our Father. And one of my favorites, Numbers 23, 19. You need to know this. Numbers 23 and verse 19. Who realizes this, that basically people are liars, and even people that you like a lot, they lie sometimes. Anybody else notice that? I've noticed that. And so... Here's one of the great things I love about God. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. All the women were like, yeah, amen. Then, man, they're lying. All, the... all right. So God is not a man. God is not a woman. God is not a human being. So God does not lie. He doesn't lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Now, that statement right there. That's something that you ought to get a hold of in your life, that he does not change his mind. What are we talking about? We're talking for just a minute here about absolute truth. And so in, in our modern day, listen, listen, I want to ta- I'm talking about starting a love riot right here. What's a riot? It's a righteous invasion of truth. We've got to bring truth. We've got to invade this world with truth right before Jesus comes back down. Right. We've got to we've we got to get real with it. We've got to start telling some truth. We've got to start presenting the truth. Right is righteous invasion of truth. And you've got to realize that in our in our day, in our age, we're told that 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 we define what our truth is. That's a lie. That'll kill you. We do not get to decide and define what truth is. Now, one of the scarier things I've read in a long time is that the Barna Research Group Christian Organization, very well established and uh, respected and credible research firm, one of the best in the nation. They they did a, a survey and they asked people if they believe that there are moral absolutes or if that morals change depending on the situation, such as lying's bad, but it's OK to tell a lie if it'll get you out of trouble. Right. And so. Asking adults in this nation if there are moral absolutes that are unchanging or if morals depend on the situation by a three to one margin over 64 percent of adults said truth always depends on the person and their situation. So stealing is bad for me because I'm not poor, but if you're poor, then that makes well, we got to understand you're poor, so it's okay for you to steal. Hating is wrong for me because, well, I'm a preacher and I and I'm up here. But hating's okay for you to hate me because I am a preacher. But it's okay because you just don't agree with me. Or, or, or you know, yeah, cheating on your spouse is totally wrong uh, unless you just aren't in love with them anymore. Then it's okay now because you don't have the feels no more. You know what I mean? It's, you don't used to have it in there, but now you don't. It's always wrong there are moral absolutes that will never change it will always be wrong to commit adultery that don't change man 
Yeah, but man, you ought to see she's mean to me. That doesn't matter. It will always be wrong to murder another person. Now you gotta realize the word kill and the word murder, so telling the you know the US soldiers that if they've had to do that on the battlefield that they are murderers, the there's two different Hebrew words, okay? And really the Ten Commandments say thou shalt not murder, but the English just calls it thou shalt not kill. I don't ever want to kill nobody, but you can't call a U.S. soldier or Marine a murderer. That's just a total side note because some people trip over that. But it's never going to be okay to murder somebody else, even if they made you super, super angry. Right? So do I get to define, well, I, I know, I, I, I'm all for that, but you see, I, I, I'm in this situation over here, and my reality is this. Your reality is more fake than a $3 bill, man. You're, there's not, your reality is jacked up, and for me to lie and tell you that you are correct, that's hateful. If I know that you're doing something that's going to send you to hell... But I don't love you enough to say something like, man, can we just talk for a minute? You do with this what you want. But I, I got to tell you the truth of this right here. If I don't even love you enough to do that for you, did I really love you in the first place? I didn't love you with the God kind of love. I loved you with my own manufactured, cheap, backdoor, whatever love that says, if you really love them, you'll tell them what they want to hear. If you really love them, you'll do anything you can to avoid hurting their feelings. And this is something. Let's just get transparent. Let's do it. For me, I do not like conflict. You can ask probably any leader in the church. <laughs> I, Pastor Dave, I don't like conflict. I do not seek out arguments. I do not seek out. That's why you don't see me on social media talking about politics and stuff. It's not my thing. All the rest of you professionals are out there. you got it covered for me, so I don't have to. But. At the same time, I don't like to fight with people. I don't like to, I don't like conflict. I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Now, you may hear me preach and think, well, that's impossible. You hurt me all the time. I don't mean to, and I hate that. But listen, I don't like to hurt anybody's feelings. I like people to like me. I, I You know, that's just, that's my personality. Now, I know some people are like, no, man, I'm not like that. I want, I just, I'm here to, and that's fine. God made all of us different, but it's sometimes a struggle for me. To, to, to be so truthful to tell you something that you don't want to hear. That's a struggle for me to do because I don't want to hurt your feelings. But the fire of hell hurts a lot more than my snowflake feelings hurt right now. And a temporary hurt is a lot better than an eternal hurt. And so... I am growing in the name of Jesus to such a level that I can. And I've got some people that they're telling, Pastor Dave, tell me the truth. You don't have to handle me like everybody else. Give it to me and give it to me hard. I want the cold, hard truth. You sure about that, bro? (laughs) We can go there. But listen, it is not loving to lie to people and tell them everything is okay when it's not. That's why they tell doctors, you got to tell this person that what their chances are. Now, by faith, I know I've been I've been raised off the bed of leukemia, so I know God's truth. But they tell doctors, you can't lie to people and tell them that it's okay when it's really not, because that's mean and that's wrong. And it's wrong of a Christian to give somebody some false sense of security. But that's exactly what a lukewarm Christian will do. Won't they? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I know, but seriously, I know it says that, but look, it just, I just, 
take that with a grain of salt. Man, I don't got to take the Bible with a grain of salt. I am the salt. Jesus told me that I am the salt of the earth. And if the salt has lost its savor, what hope is there for anybody? Listen, it's time for some Christians in a loving way to get a little bit salty, if you know what I mean. Come on, somebody. All right. And so absolute truth is defined as an inflexible reality. Two plus two is always four and never comes out to five. If it does, you did something wrong. And math is my worst subject. And we've got to homeschool our kids. Pray for the mercy of God right now. Somebody listen. Two plus two, if I get six, I did something wrong somewhere along the way, but you can't come up and say, huh, well, it's always been four before, but I guess if it's five for you, then it's five for you. That's messed up. You're going to hurt somebody. If you tell your kids that, that yellow is blue and you keep telling them that their whole life, even if that's what they've always been told, when they grow up and get into the real world and everybody else says, no, man, that's that's actually blue, you're, you're wrong. No, you Colonel Sanders, you're wrong. Mama's right. Come on. No, that's messed up. You're not helping anybody out. You're killing people with this stuff. You've got, we as Christians, we've got to start speaking the truth. But I'm going to show you in a few minutes that there's a correct way to love that. And so, absolute truth and the God kind of love go hand in hand. They are intertwined. They are married to one another. You can't separate them from one another. And so we live in this world that says truth changes depending on the circumstances. Well, Jesus said, let me just throw a little equation at you here. Here's how I'm working. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6, Jesus says he is truth. How about Hebrews 13, 8? It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just follow me for one second here. If Jesus is truth and Jesus never changes, then truth never changes. Because if Jesus had to change on something, if, and we already read that he doesn't change his mind, but if Jesus had to change his mind and get a 2020 update, that would mean that somewhere along the way, Jesus was wrong. And if Jesus was wrong somewhere along the way, then Jesus isn't perfect. And if Jesus isn't perfect, Jesus isn't qualified to die for the sins of the entire human race. And that means I've got to stand before God on my own and pay the price for my own sins. And that means I don't get a chance in this world. I don't stand a snowball's chance in Barstow of getting to heaven if I've got to pay for my own sins. Do you see how dangerous it is to say that, well, that used to be true, but that ain't true no more. Do you see how dangerous it is to even possibly consider the, the saying that Jesus was wrong at some point. My entire salvation depends upon the fact that Jesus Christ is perfect and that he loves me so much that he won't lie to me, that he loves me so much and he's so perfect that he could die and pay for my sins. Now, I know that was a little bit of a heavy revy right there. We went deep on you, but I hope you get that. Don't fall into the trap of saying, well, yeah, but it's it's not like that no more. It's, it's, it's changed. Some things have changed. Jesus and truth have not changed. And it's hateful. It's arrogant. It's prideful to say 
that, well, yeah, I know, but it, it's changed. If it has to do with the Bible, it has not changed because Jesus doesn't need to change. Somebody give God a little bit of praise in here today. And so we all like the inspirational Bible verses, right? I mean, I know people like they'll get on. I know people that probably don't even go to church. Aren't even they'll post Bible verses online because it gives them the goosebumps. But there's other parts in there, too, man, not just the parts that you agree with. There's a whole 66 books right here, and they're all just as true as the last one, right? And so we've got to cling to this truth. Let me show you here. Ephesians 4.15. I want you to see this. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Look at this. Ephesians 4.15. You know, they talk about you can tell if somebody really uses their Bible if it's falling apart. Somebody's got to pray for Pastor Dave because I have wore this thing out, man. <laughs> man, I've wore this thing out. I've used this Bible so much, but it's, yeah, we're going to get it rebound and stuff like that. But, I man, I keep putting it back together and that back page keeps coming off. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Ephesians 4, 15. You've got to see this. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. What, what a powerful phrase. What does it say we're supposed to do with love? Speak the truth in love. Those two words have lined up at the exact same verse. It says truth and love. We've got to speak the truth in love. And when we do that, we're growing more and more like Christ. So what did Jesus do? He always spoke the truth, but it came out of a heart of love. And there's plenty of people like, man, I don't care if you like it or not. I just speak the truth. I say what's on my mind. I'm going to tell you, there's not very many people that annoy me more than a person like that. That thing that this is my license to just go around being mean and, and making everybody mad and, and stirring up trouble everywhere I go. That's just how I am. I just speak. Blah, 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 blah. I stay whatever's on my mind. And and that's fine sometimes. But sometimes you really should keep what's on your mind just on your mind or take it out back and shoot it. Because it's doing a lot of damage. And no wonder people don't like you. Right. Oh, wait. Sorry. We said that out loud. So but but seriously, we're supposed to speak the truth. And sometimes. Just consider this possibility. Maybe what's on your mind isn't truth. There is that remote. I know it's slim because you're so perfect and everything. But there is that one remote chance that you're wrong. And you're just going to go out there and blast somebody with all this stuff that's on your mind. And ruin a relationship. And make people hate you. And make people not want to go to church. Make people not want to go to Jesus anymore. Because they think that you're what a Christian is. Listen. How did Jesus handle the truth? He spoke the truth in love. Now, Jesus' ultimate goal was to love people and to save people. And I've determined that that's got to be my ultimate goal in life. Love people, love God, but love people and love them enough to save them. And so let me tell you this. I've, um, I'm, I'm in this building on Friday morning, so I come over here super early and I pray and I pray for you guys by name. I, I'm walking through here most mornings of the week. And I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but I'm telling you this. So 5 a.m. And I'm, I'm walking and I see, okay, well, here's where Dave usually sits. Uh, and, and, and there's where Rosalinda sits. And so I'm just, I'm praying for people. And, and there's Lori and, and there's Leanna. And so, and so I'm, I'm, I'm praying for people. And, 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 and I'm lifting you guys up that you'll have an awesome day. And that, that, that God's working in your life. And that God's going to do things in your life. And, 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 and bless you and all this stuff. But I'm in here Friday morning praying, 
And, and I'm thinking about, man, how much does Jesus love us? The love of God, man, the love of Jesus. We were singing about it earlier, but he loved me enough, right, that, that he wouldn't let anything stop him from saving me because that was his ultimate goal. And I found out that human beings, when they have a true, genuine goal, a, a real one, not just some made up, but a real goal, they will stop at nothing to accomplish the goal. Now, sometimes people fall short, but a lot of times they accomplish it. And people do incredible things when they've got a goal in mind. They will stop at nothing until they accomplish that goal. Jesus' goal was to get me into heaven, and he stopped at nothing until he did what it took. And so I'm thinking about this. I'm like, man, that, that makes sense, Jesus. So I felt the Holy Spirit talk to me that whatever, I, just, I wrote it down on my phone, but whatever your true goal and motive is, you will do anything to accomplish it. That's why some people will backstab and tear other people down so they can get promoted and make more money. You're like, man, how could they do that to me? Because their whole goal is to get that promotion. Human beings are collateral damage. They don't care if they stomp all over you and lie about you. They'll stop at nothing until they get that promotion and title so they can get more money. Because that's their whole goal in life. No, I mean, I'm just being real. Yet, I'm just, I'm, I feel the Holy Spirit talking to me. And then he said this, yet other people will go to the same great lengths to make excuses and lie so they can get out of work and be lazy because their ultimate goal is to sit on a couch. I know some people that work just as hard, and I, I mean just as hard at doing anything they can to lie and, and, and get out of work, anything as hard as they possibly can, because their ultimate goal is to be able to lay on the couch and play Xbox or whatever. And I'm like, man, if you just put that effort into like a job, you'd probably be a millionaire by now. And I'm not judging, I'm not being mean, but I'm just saying, I see these extremes and like, man, people will do some crazy things when they've got a goal in mind. When loving other people is your ultimate goal, you will do some, you'll do some extreme things. You will stop at nothing until you reach them with the gospel. You see, like, how could that guy stand out there and witness to those people? How could he go out there and preach to that crowd? How could he go out there and do that? His ultimate goal in life is to love people and to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then I look at some Christians, and I've been guilty, you've been guilty, and like, man, how could they sit there and not say anything to that guy? Because their ultimate goal is to be comfortable in life. We're like, well, how, how could this guy's over here hurt and dying and, 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 and this guy's going through this right here and this is going on? How could, there's a Christian standing right there. How could they not do anything? Because truth be told, their ultimate goal is they just want to be comfortable. I want to get to heaven, all right. And I want to, you know, be at church if it's convenient or they tell me I can, but, or, you know, whatever the case is. But if your ultimate goal is comfort, the end times will be a rough period for you. And it's getting heavy in here today. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Listen, if your ultimate goal is to just be as comfortable 
as you can. I love comfort. I want to be comfortable. I want to sit on my couch and watch Bonanza all day long, every day. I love it. But listen, that's not going to do nothing. Listen to me. If if your ultimate goal is comfort, the end times are going to really stink for you. Because if you, listen, before Jesus comes back, we've got whatever window this is. I have no idea. A year, two years, three days. I have no idea. But we've got this short window of before Jesus comes back. Listen to me. And if you want to make this window as comfortable as you possibly can and just get as unscathed as you possibly can, man, if you don't go on the rapture, my God, it is going to get super crazy uncomfortable. We need Christians right now that love God so much and love other people so much that they will stand up for what is right. They will speak the truth, but they will do it in Love. Love doesn't lie. Love doesn't just blast people because you feel like it, but love doesn't lie. Lying ain't loving. And I'm telling you right now, if we're going to have a love right, if we're going to make any sort of difference in the end times before Jesus comes back, we have got to love people enough to start standing up for what's right, to start speaking the truth to people in love and and no longer being some dead, wimpy, powerless body of Christ. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such blemish. But if we're too ashamed to speak up for Jesus now, if we're too ashamed to stand up and love people right now, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be held back from in the end times. And so my, I'm going to give you a challenge this week. Who, who likes challenges? Okay. I appreciate the honesty. Some of you don't. That's fine. And I get that. And I'm seriously, thank you for telling the truth. But either way, whether you like it or not, I am giving you a challenge this week. And it's this. I challenge you and I dare you to share the name of Jesus or the gospel with one person this week. Well, that's, I don't think I could. Come on. One person before next Sunday, I dare you, I challenge you, where somebody said, man, I'm going through this, I went through that, but let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Man, isn't this crazy times? It is crazy, but I've got Jesus in my heart, so I've got, I'm handling it a lot better than most people. I challenge you, Right now, Christian, Christ-like one, at some point within the next seven days to share the name of Jesus or the gospel with somebody else or your story, your testimony of what Jesus did for you. Is there anybody at all that would say, challenge accepted? Come on, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm not asking you to go out there and set up a tent and, and, and start a whole revival on your own. But I am asking, love somebody else enough that when you see them hurting, you don't just say, they're there. It'll all get better someday because it probably won't if they don't get Jesus in their heart. But you love them enough to say, man, I know you're going through it, but I've got the answer right here. That's love. Amen. And so that's my challenge that you will love somebody enough this week to tell them the truth and tell them about Jesus. Can I get an amen today? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Come on. Let's stand up together.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.